you about the armor of God and a little bit about some spiritual warfare that we see every day in our lives. Put it back here. Too much hair? I'm not going to cut it off. Is that going to work? Huh? No? We'll try it. All right, I want to tell you about a baseball team. It's the middle of summer. It's hot. It's sticky. It's nasty. And this team's record, not so good. But they're a wild card in a, a county tournament, and so they're out there. And they are playing their hardest. They have not won a game the entire season. But somehow, out of nowhere, they pull out a victory and they win. Now, you would think they won the World Series. The, um, in, the electricity in the air was phenomenal, right? They were super pumped. Um, do you want me to just talk out of the mic over here? Yeah, I'll do that. I want to drive you all crazy with that. Um, so they were really, really excited, right? Um, the, the boost of confidence that they received that day was like nothing like an inspiring speech from a coach. It was life-altering because they had won. For the 10-year-olds, obviously not life-altering. But the simple truth of that story remains, that when we win, it feels great, right? Joy is spread, it unifies us, and it's exciting, Well, guess what, church? We're on the winning team. The battle has already been won. And that's comforting. That's right. Praise God. We are attacked every day. There's a battle going on around us, but we have the armor of God. We have all we need in Christ. Growing up, one of my cousins... Maybe someone should help me get this thing out of here. It's going to bug me. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> I'm like stuck back there. Whole malfunction here. Um, yep, I'll push it right up to you. Thank you. Um, one of my cousins loved to read. She was an avid reader. She read all the time. But the weird thing that she would do, thank you so much. The weird thing she would do is um, she'd read the end of a book first. I don't really know why she did it. I think it was to see if it was worth reading or not. Uh, but she'd get to the last chapter, and if she didn't like what it had to say, she wouldn't read it. Very strange. Um, So I kind of think that our life is like a a good book or a good movie that we want to decide, well, do we want to read through it or do we want to watch the movie? Is it going to be a good ending? We know the ending. And it's glorious. We get to share in eternity with our Savior. It is definitely worth going through. All right, I want to talk with you about the fact that our battle is spiritual. Paul says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So your battle isn't against your children. It's not against your spouse or your boss. It's against spiritual um, warriors in the heavenly realms. Um, my husband reminds me of this often. He's really good at reminding me. Uh, hey, Julie, our two-year-old is not trying to drive you crazy by way of dressing, undressing, throwing shoes at you and telling you to go away. Um, your battle's not against her. I'm like, are you sure? I don't know. It really feels like it is. Um, but he reminds me that I'm responsible for how I react, right? And what comes out of me is indicative of what is in my heart. Am I exuding the gospel of Christ, or am I responding to her in frustration and anger? Um, and it's a good reminder, and I need it, and I'm thankful for him in my life. I believe that one of Satan's most useful 
uh, tools against us as believers is distraction. We're really good at filling our lives, filling our schedules with tons of things. And I'm not talking about bad things. I'm talking about really good things, things that help people, things that maybe even lift him up. But if there are things that distract us and get us away from spending time in the Word and in Bible study and prayer and really listening for His Spirit, then it's not good. And I think that's one of His effective tools against us. We're distracted constantly. He's always at work. We have to expect that He's going to distract us each and every day of our lives. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called um, The Screwtape Letters. It's really interesting. It's correspondence between two demons. And one of them says to the other demon, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Because of this, we need to be fully alert, aware of what's going on around us. We should not neglect the fact that there is spiritual war going on. We need to put on the full armor of God. I realize that this can be a touchy subject because some people do not like to jump right to the spiritual realm for everything. And I get that. Um, I don't think every time I get a flat tire it's because a demon was chewing on it. Um, I don't believe that. Uh, I think that sometimes things happen, like driving through a construction zone, picking up a nail, or maybe that flat tire was even God sent to spare me from something else. Um, So I don't think that every bad thing, anything that we would consider bad, that happens to us is from Satan. I don't believe that. But I do believe that there is an enemy out there that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. His goal is to obliterate the children of God. That's his job, right? He and all his demons are just looking to get us away from God. That is their job. So we have to be aware. Um, in the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis starts out the book like this, and I think it gives us a really good perspective, so I want to read you that, and we can put it up on the screen. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist and a magician with the same delight. Let's be aware of the spiritual realm. Let's not give Satan so much credit, right? Let's not blame everything on him. But let's be aware and let's put on the full armor of God. This is part of God's beauty to me, that he didn't just rescue us and then say, see you later, good luck, figure life out, have fun. He didn't do that. He provides for us everything we need. He equips us fully with the tools and the weapons that we need to defend ourselves spiritually in this world. We're going to look at Ephesians 6, where it tells us about this, the armor of God and what we need to spiritually defend ourselves. We're going to start on verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. What's the answer? Stand firm with the armor of God, right? Let's see what the armor is. Therefore... 
put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. The armor of God is an amazing metaphor for um, what we need to do spiritually, the spiritual action that we need to take. So I don't think that you need to go out and buy some armor, put it on, go to work, hang out in it and all. Um, It's already with us. You don't need to physically put it on. Christ has already given it to us. I do think, however, if you need a little reminder, it might not hurt to just throw it on each morning. As a child, we would stand in my kitchen, and before my dad would go to work, he would actually go through the armor of God with us, and we would put it on, you know, helmet of salvation, wrestling of righteousness, belt of truth, and so forth. And it really kind of helped us, right? I was homeschooled for many years, so it helped us give perspective that my battle that day was not against my siblings or my mom, who was my teacher. Uh, It really did kind of set the tone for us for our day. So if you need that little reminder, you go ahead and do it, but you don't don't need to. Um, So Paul sets the scene. We're fighting a war, and it's spiritual. The stakes are the highest that they've ever been and can ever be. We're talking about our eternal life. Our enemy, not flesh and blood. It's something much more fearsome. But we have God. We're not to be so distracted with the cares and worries of this world that we neglect our eternal life. Let's not let this earthly life distract us too much from our eternal life. We're going to take time and go through each piece. Are you ready? The belt of truth is up first. Now, I learned a lot doing research about Roman soldiers' um, armor. I'm not military. I, I don't know anything about the military, but this was really, really fascinating. So the belt of truth, right? A soldier has to have a belt because that would hold its sheath or the sword. And so can you imagine if a soldier was in all armor but didn't have a belt and he ran out into battle and then he realizes, like, shoot, I don't have a weapon. <laughs> like, that's kind of a big deal, right? Not a good spot to be in. So the belt is key because it holds the weapon. Now, imagine the belt has a missing piece. And it's just a really teeny tiny piece, like not a big deal, right? Well, it is a big deal because the belt wouldn't work without all the pieces, right? Without it all being one continuous band, it wouldn't work. And so the same is true in our lives. If we do not believe and hold fast to the validity of what God's Word says, of who He is and His character, it's not going to work. We have got to know his word and believe it. Our trust in God and his word must be solid without break, or else we'll quickly find ourselves without a weapon in battles. Next is the body armor or the breastplate of righteousness. It's an essential part of the uh, armor because it protects our, our vital organs, right? Our lungs, our heart, and so forth. So with that... We're, we're pretty safe. But without it, any attack that comes in would probably immediately become fatal. Not so good. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteousness, it is nothing but filthy rags. 
It's God's righteousness that sets us free and that we need, not our own. Can you imagine defending ourselves against sin and death with rags? Not going to work, right? We need to trust in God's righteousness. And he provided for that, for that, for us, when Christ sacrificed himself on the cross. We can't protect ourselves. Let's depend on the one who gives protection and who's already provided it for us. Please, let's not take for granted the beauty of Christ's reconciliation. I pray that we never become used to the story of the cross. I pray that we never are not excited about the beauty of the cross of Christ. Paul talks about putting on shoes. Shoes that come with the peace of the good news that we know so that we'll be prepared. Imagine, again, a fully armored soldier, but then you look down and you see he's got no shoes on. It'll look really weird, right? Kind of funny. But it's not so funny because if you're thinking about being out in the battle, I'm thinking shoes are pretty important because of where you're going to step. So unless you're fighting on a battlefield of, like, cotton balls, I'm thinking you're going to really hurt your feet if you don't have it. So shoes help us to be able to step surely, go where we need to go without having to be distracted about where do I put my feet without getting hurt, right? We can really focus on the warfare in front of us if we don't have to worry about where to step. Um, The Roman soldiers, I learned, on their sandals had nails or spikes that were driven in there so that they could really, like, dig into the ground they really would be able to like plant themselves and be strong where they were at. It's pretty cool. So maybe we should all wear cleats all the time. So just... <laughs> um, so shoes allow us to step freely without fear and we can put our full attention on God. We should be excited about the gospel, right? Because peace comes with it. We don't have to be afraid of sin and death because Christ already conquered it. So we have peace that comes from knowing the gospel. And from that peace comes preparation to share it with others. That's what this means, that we should be going out into all the world. That was Jesus' great commission, right? Go out into all the world and tell everyone about the gospel. It's exciting. And it will give you peace in your life. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. The shield of faith. In Roman times, they were huge. At least to me, they sound huge. They were three and a half feet tall, three feet wide. That sounds really big. I don't know if I could carry it. They were huge. They were like a big rectangle, and they were curved, which would help deflect arrows and stuff from the side. So they were, they were really a great line of defense because of the, just their sheer size. And a shield does a couple of different things. It guards. A physical shield would protect our body. But our faith protects us spiritually when we're in attack. A shield deflects. Satan's always trying to hurl fiery arrows of worry and doubt and fear at us. Um, But our faith is what stops that. And we can reject it and say, that nope, it's not true. I have faith in my God. I'm not going to believe those lies. When we stop believing that God is in control, that he's working everything out for the best for us, and that whatever happens is the ultimate best, that is when faith comes in. That's when we have to just believe. If we don't have it up here, have it in your heart. Believe and have faith that Christ is watching out for you. 
Will we trust in what we know about God and His character and His promises? Or are we going to crumble at every lie and discouragement that comes from the enemy? Hebrews 11, 1 defines faith like this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. We're not always going to see what God is doing or how it's going to end. But our faith is what gets us through. The shield is our first line of defense. When our faith in God's omnipotence and deep care for us is strong, it's impossible for Satan to break through. I learned in my research also that Roman soldiers would often gather together to help protect each other. And so they'd gather around and there'd be shields kind of all around them and above them. So they were really, really safe. Um, Any arrows or anything that would come in would just hit that, like, shell. Um, And so they were super safe by, by being together. The same is true for us as believers. When we gather together, we pray together, we encourage each other, we are stronger. God calls us to get together, right? He says, don't neglect getting together as some are in the habit of doing. Remain in fellowship. Draw strength from each other. Pray for each other in faith. We see that Paul talks about the helmet of salvation next. And he wrote to the Ephesians about this. And I think something that's really cool is that he was also referencing in Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah 59, 17. A time when God put on the armor. It says in Isaiah that God put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Because he needed to step in to help the oppressed because no one else was. And he wasn't liking that. So in every sense of the word, this is truly God's armor. He uses it. It is his. That's pretty cool. He's given it to us to use. We should have tremendous hope and assurance and comfort in the incredible sacrifice that Christ made for us. That salvation is key. We are saved. We're delivered. It is done. We don't have to worry about death because of what Christ has done in the forest and in our lives. Without the helmet of salvation, we would be unprotected from this world, right? From the cares and concerns and discouragements that come our way. But we have that helmet. The last piece of armor listed is the sword of the Spirit. The sword is the only item that um, Paul lists that's offensive. Everything else is pretty much for defense. Um, But this is for offense. And I believe that's key. Because the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's the Bible. We have to know the Word of God. We've got to have that truth rooted in us. So that when life comes at us, We have something to say back to it. We have that defense. The Roman soldier's sword became known as the sword that conquered the world. It's because it had double edges that could really wreak havoc on opponents. And it had a tapered point that could even get through heavy metal armor. Really strong. But the all-powerful sword of mighty God is even stronger. It can break through every defense of our enemy, even to the point of dividing bone and marrow. When wielded by a servant of God, 
Nothing can withstand the ability to cut through straight to the core of the matter and show us truth. It's our responsibility and duty as believers of Christ to use that word to discern truth and then follow it. We need to know our weapons. Think about this. Satan used scripture, right? When he tempted Jesus in the desert, he quoted scripture to him. I think that's a little crazy (laughs) that our enemy would use our own weapon against us, right? So we have to know our weapon. Would a soldier run out into battle and pick up a gun for the first time and look at it and be like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to figure this out real quick because an attack is coming. No. They spend hours and hours, I'm sure, learning their weapons and their guns and how they work and, you know, the right way to hold it and all those things. Um, We have to do the same. We have to know the Word of God. We have to memorize it, have it in us so that it's a part of us. It's a natural reaction to what we see or what we encounter. It's just the Word, the truth comes out in the way we act, the way we think, and the way we speak. Jesus, as his defense, right, and offense, used the word of God. He quoted scripture right back at Satan, right? He knew his sword. He knew the power in it, and he used it. I want to point out that Satan attacked Jesus when he was alone. Right? He was in the desert. So probably he's thinking he's vulnerable, he's weak, he's by himself. He doesn't have all those other shields of faith around him to help him, to defend him. I'm going to get him now while he's down and out. But again, what did he use? The Word of God. He didn't use any special supernatural powers he had to deflect Satan, which probably would have made for a really cool story. Um, He didn't do that. He used what we can use, the sword of the Spirit. He quoted scripture at him. Let's make sure we can do the same. We know the end of the story, right? We know the war is already won. And so we should have complete confidence going into battle because we know what's going to happen, right? We have complete victory in Christ. There's two powerful and sure promises in the Word of God. Matthew 24, 13 says, But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Romans 18, 31 says, If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Let's take up our sword, church. The battle is ours. I don't think it's any mistake that God told us about all this armor right after he talked about our home life and our work life. That's what was happening in the beginning of the chapter. If you look up there, it talks about children obeying their parents, um, parents not provoking their children to anger, um, and then slaves and masters at work doing everything that we do unto the Lord. Those are huge battlefields. Right? Work and home, and we're there every day. And we experience spiritual battles. We must stand firm and boldly proclaim the truth of who God is, and we can do that by having our armor on. I think it's amazing that God decided when you would be born. 
He uniquely designed your place in history so that you could accomplish what His will is for your life. Isn't that exciting? I think that's pretty cool. Like, He has the design for you and your life. And He's given you all these tools to use. I think we should be pumped about that. I am. I know I am because I know I can't do it on my own. I know how weak I am. I know how ill-equipped I am. I just love that God gives us what we need. He's so good like that. At the end of the chapter, Paul asks for prayer. It's in verses 19 and 20. And then he says, pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly proclaim God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. This is the Apostle Paul asking for prayer for boldness. Like, what? Are you kidding me? All right, yeah, I mean, sure, we'll pray for that, but wow, you need it? Like, you seem so amazing, right? This guy's traveling the world telling everyone about God's love and salvation plan for them. So I'm thinking that if Paul's asking for prayer for boldness, we probably need to do the same. So let's make sure that we do that. Let's make sure that we're praying for boldness to use this armor of God to reach those in our lives to be the light in this world that we have been called to be. We experience spiritual battles every day, like I said. We're facing them all the time. I think the question is, will we recognize them and fight them appropriately with the weapons we've been given? Or will we choose to be distracted or maybe discouraged so much in this life that we just neglect the reality of the spiritual realm. Don't be overwhelmed by it. Take heart, believers, because God has given us all we need. You don't need to worry or fear the spiritual realm. You have the power of Jesus Christ that lives in us. Right? The Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. If that doesn't make you stop and think, I don't know what will, because that is utterly amazing to me and overwhelming that he would count us worthy enough to grant us that power. As we start thinking today as to, well, what do we do with all this, right? I mean, I, I hear it all. I hear about the, the armor of God. I hear about the spiritual warfare, but I'm not really sure where to go or what to do with it. I think it has a lot to do with our willingness to spend time with the Lord. To again, get away from the distractions and the discouragements that the world brings our way and it's truly the enemy. Right? To rebuke those and to spend time in the Word and in prayer. Memorizing the Word of God, the truth that we need so we can use our sword in battles. Without a weapon, we would amount to little more than just some armored moving target. And that's no good. We've got to have that sword. We've got to know the word of truth. So I want you to think about this. 
Are you living with no recognition whatsoever about the spiritual battles going on around you daily? Are you too caught up in this life to recognize? Are you employing the full armor of God, every piece at your disposal? Are you realizing that now's your time? You've never truly made a decision to follow Christ. But you've experienced these things in your life, right? Where you know you can't do it on your own. But now you realize that it's only in Christ and Christ alone that you can have victory in this life. Maybe that's you. You're just saying, yeah, I want that. I want that salvation, that deliverance from sin and eternal death. If that's you, if you're deciding that today you want salvation, at the end of service, we're going to have a prayer team up here. I'm going to ask you to make a bold move. We're called to be bold. We need to be bold. So I'm going to ask you to just come up to the front and ask for prayer. We'll pray with you, Pastor Mark, myself, or our prayer team. We'll pray with you for salvation. I want you also to consider, what do you need to pray for in your life? Is it that you have been neglecting the spiritual realm? Is it that you are giving it too much credit? Where are you at? Evaluate your life for a few minutes. We're going to prepare ourselves for communion today. And then after communion, we're going to spend time in prayer. Our prayer team will be up here. And we want to come before the throne of Almighty God with you. Because that's what we're called to do as believers. To gather together and to have faith together. To stand in faith together and pray for each other. This is a crazy time in our world right now. We're seeing a lot of different things that are um, reminding us of end times, right? As believers, we cannot sit back. We can't. It's just not right. When we have the truth of who God is, how can we stay silent? How can we not share it with people? It's devastating. Need to know. They need to hear. So today, let's make sure that we are praying for that boldness, like Paul prayed for, to speak truth and to make known the mystery of the gospel. Because guaranteed, there are people in all of our lives that do not know Christ, but that need to. And we're those ambassadors. We've got the peace on our feet, right? And we're supposed to go. The peace that comes from the gospel that we have assurance and hope in our future. We know what's happening at the end, right? And it's glorious for believers. It is not so glorious for those who do not believe. Let's take this seriously. Let's take spiritual warfare seriously and get on our knees and pray for those in our lives that need a desperate touch from our Savior.